Hello, my name is Katie Rose. I am a mom and a teacher, and I am here to share my stories as I heal and expand into my most radiant self. We'll be talking life, trials, wins, and lessons through all sorts of modalities such as energy healing, human design, somatic work, traditional therapy, and so much more. It is my hope that in sharing my experiences, you feel inspired, empowered, and seen to live the exact life you came here to lead. Join me in celebration, tears, experiences, and joys. I'm so happy to have you. Let the wild rumpus start. Hi, my friends. Um, a very heartfelt episode coming at you real quick. But before um, we go into it, I just wanted to give a little bit of a trigger warning um, for anybody with any sort of eating disordered or disordered eating um, history or trauma that um, you might want to hold off on this one or wait until you are in a good, safe spot in order to listen. Um, I'm going to be talking a little bit about my story there, um, and I think it ends on a on a really positive note, but I do always want to give a heads up um, because I want this to always feel like a safe space. Um, so thank you. I hope that you get something out of this, and I'll see you on the other side. Hello and Happy New Year's. This uh, recording is coming out on New Year's Day. Um, I hope you had a restful and easy week between Christmas and New Year's. It's literally, I feel like we're all forced to kind of like just take a step back and lay low and, you know, reflect. Uh, even of, Even those of us little toddlers who I think have the hardest time. Uh, I might be biased, but taking a second and reflecting. Um, but I think it kind of forces all of us to. And um, I am recording this episode. This was not what I intended to do. So I had full plans. And I think I even mentioned to a couple of people I was going to do a grounding episode because I thought, oh, that'll be a great way to kick off the new year. And you know what? I found myself in a different place. So we are still going to do the grounding episode that is coming cuz I think grounding is amazing. But we're going to do we're going to do a body episode today, a little body episode. And the reason this came up for me is as I was doing, if you've been following along with me either on the podcast and certainly on my Instagram, um I did a lot of intention setting and releasing heading into this new year, to 2024. And as I did that, I was just struck over and over and over again about connecting to and taking care of and being intuitive about my body. And this is like a tricky one for me. Like my my husband will laugh. He's like, when he hears it, he's like, I can't believe you did this episode because this is a tricky one for me. Um, and I had thought as this stuff was coming up, I was like, oh, let me kind of get a handle on it and then I'll share some of this. And I just felt very, very driven, very, um, nudged to kind of share early on where I am in this journey. Um, and I'll kind of keep you guys updated on this path because, um, I think for whatever reason, it's important to share that this, where I'm at earlier on um, than I usually do in this process. So in some ways, it makes sense that my body's coming up for me um, for this upcoming year, because I feel like in 2022, it was so much like my mind and releasing all these old narratives and all these old stories and all these old fears and all these old um, blockages and limiting beliefs I had in my mind. I feel like 2023, so much was about getting kind of my soul um, aligned, my spirit aligned, you know, creating a meditation practice, um, grounding, um, listening to my soul and letting my soul lead and drive me in so many ways. And so in some ways it makes sense. Like, okay, now it's time to kind of get my body in alignment. And I think we don't necessarily appreciate our bodies as much as we should. Um, probably men too, but certainly women. And I do think that this is shifting for the collective, but I do 
find um, that we just don't appreciate it. You know, like take a minute and think about what a miraculous organism your body is, like how your body has healed every time you had anything from a paper cut to a serious illness, right? For, you know, do we thank our body? Do we talk nicely to our body? Do we appreciate our bodies, right? Um, and do we listen to our bodies? You know, um, how many times do we sit and and like we even have to just pee and we're like, I just, well, I'm just going to finish this email. I'm just going to do this quick thing. Um, and we're just like holding our pee. And so we're kind of like not listening to our bodies as it's, as it's giving us information. And this is, this is really important because our bodies are actually like amazing intuitive um tools they are i have heard at this point from so many medium psychics books um that our bodies are the best intuitive tool we have and we so frequently just don't listen to them myself included more than probably probably anybody else right and um i think that that's why it's important for whatever reason that I'm on this journey, because I think that I so much didn't listen to my body that I think that I'm a great person to figure this out because I can be at such an extreme here. And so I guess I'm going to tell a little bit of my story around my body, around um, my relationship with with my body, um, to kind of give an idea of how I am, where I am today and why I am talking about all of this. So, you know, growing up, right. I grew up in the nineties and that was a tough time to be, to be a, a, a little girl, right. To look at, you know, it was like this body image was just this waif thin, zero body fat, like almost, it's funny, I'm reading a couple books right now. I haven't finished them. Oh, here, there. Um, I haven't finished them, but they came highly recommended by someone I very much trust um, who is is in the health industry. So one is called The Anti-Diet by Christy Harrison. Uh, and this is all about um, like why obsessing over what you eat is not good for your health. There's a ton of science in here. And she kind of goes into intuitive eating. And then there's another book called Literally Intuitive Eating. Um, and it is by Evelyn Tribble and Elise Reich is my best guess on their names. Um, so sorry for that. Um, and this is always all about making peace with your food and freeing yourself um, from like chronic dieting. But um, again, I haven't finished these, um, but they're really good so far. And they came highly recommended by, by someone I trust. But um, you know, one of the one of the things in the book is kind of like we had this image of a female body, especially in the nineties and and early two thousands, that was almost like actually a white male's body. It was almost the ideal for a female body, right? Like no curves, none of the things that that are beautiful feminine parts of ourselves. And I love the curves in my body, right? I I have made a lot of progress there. Like I like my hips. I like my boobs. I like the hourglass shape I have. I also know that I am carrying um extra weight that I know just doesn't in just doesn't align with how freaking awesome I am starting to feel on the inside. I feel like my outside isn't quite aligning there. And so I have to do this deep dive, right? And kind of uncover, well, what's going on here? And I know, I know some of it is, you know, when we have um, trauma around our bodies, you know, um, especially when we're little, like whether it's sexual abuse or whatever, whatever it might be, um, sometimes we're prone to actually intentionally keeping weight on ourselves um, cause it makes us feel safer. And like, I resonate with that. Like I understand that feeling, um, you know, that it feels safer. Like in some ways I feel more invisible with a little extra weight and that does make me feel safer. So I resonate with that. So there's stuff there for me to dive into because I am here to live my lightest, brightest, most vibrant life. And so if I'm feeling that need to kind of protect myself or um, create a barrier, then I, that means I'm not letting my brightest sh self shining through in various ways, right? So there's something there for me to uncover. 
but yeah, but growing up when I did, right, there was these like absolutely unhealthy, like objectively unhealthy, like um, models for what a female body should look like, right? And then in in my home, right, like my my I never remember my mom and my nana not either being on a diet, focusing on food, having, um, you know, I was such a sensitive kid and I was very sensitive to my mom and this is nothing against my mom. And she has been on her own journey with food. And I, I think she's made awesome progress. And just like an episode a couple of weeks ago, I did like, you know, to me, by me, as me and through me, um, you know, I'm not going to be a victim about this, right? My mom has her own story, but also some of my mom's story is some of my story and I think it's okay to share and I love her and um I'm so grateful for her and you know I the only version of my mom I knew growing up was a version of her that was very obsessed um and stressed out around food it was also the only version I knew of my nana was very focused on food you know very obsessed with food my nana is um, this month actually will be 94 and she is in assisted living at this point. Um, but up until like a year and a half ago, she was still driving a car. Maybe she shouldn't have been, but she was still driving a car, still had a very robust, um, social life. She has definitely deteriorated with dementia quite a bit in the last year and a half. Um, she's very much not herself, but she, she was. Um, and so the reason I bring this up is even now, um, in in full dementia where she doesn't recognize a lot of people um if you ask how she's doing she'll still say oh you know i'm going to get you know and she pats her stomach like i'm going to get a big belly with all they're feeding me in here right like so that lets you know what a foundational part of her personality this was is that she can't necessarily even remember her her children all the time and certainly not her grandchildren and she still knows that she should be wary about getting a a big belly, right? And she is, at this point in her life, if she is 90 pounds, that would be impressive. Like she is just teeny tiny. She's teeny tiny little lady. But like that is, is the, the energy that I grew up with. And I remember when I was really little, I don't really know how much that was a focus, but I do know that I started to go to food for comfort. Like I started to find food comforting, like not food to eat, as though I was hungry, but like it was comforting to me. And, you know, it's interesting. My sister um, and I grew up in the same house, you know, and she does not have the same experience that I do. I think she did a good job of always kind of listening to her body as a kid in a way I didn't and eating when she was hungry and then stopping when she wasn't. And that's okay. And I bring that up because I've had conversations recently um, with clients and people I'm working with where siblings will have different takes on events or situations from their childhood. And I just want to say that that's okay, right? Like from a human design perspective, we are built differently, right? My sister and I are built differently. And so I, while I think she completely um, understands my perspective, because I've talked to some people recently who are like, my sibling doesn't quite even understand. And that happens too, right? We're built differently. And so we interpret the world and our parents and our home life differently. So I just had wanted to say that at some point too, that it's okay if your experience was different than that of one of your siblings, because this has just been coming up a lot in readings and things like that. So I just felt the need to mention that. So um, so I found, and and I have done a lot of research on binge eating and that sort of a thing. And when you grow up in a household where emotions aren't really allowed, it is a quick step to binge eating, right? That satisfies something in you. It soothes you. It's self-soothing, right? So it is not a big jeep jump if you grow up in a house where you're not really allowed to feel your feelings to go to binge eating. That That is like a quick jump. So I think, I don't know, I remember around like maybe third grade that's starting to be a thing, right? And I've mentioned on here before, right, my father with his narcissism and all this stuff. Like I remember once as a little girl, I was playing in my room and the window was open. And, and when I was a little girl, the room I had 
I shared with my sister overlooked the porch. And my parents were out there with my sister. And I do remember my father having this, I could hear him saying, you know, about my little sister, like, oh, she can eat whatever she wants. But the other one, and he kind of like blew his hands up. Like, I think at that point I looked out because I could see him like blowing his hands out. And by the way, like I've gone back and looked at pictures. Like I was not big at all at this point. I was just like a perfect little kid, right? But there was these, you know, images and these stigmas. And so anyway, this conversation I overheard on the porch, like I remember getting really upset about it. And I remember that I got in trouble with my father for quote unquote, like eavesdropping, even though I was just in my room playing and the window was open and I just heard it. Um, and so these stories started to create narratives in my head, right? That is when we are little, when we are like zero to 12, um, we are 14, we, we start to develop our unconscious subconscious mind. And so these stories start to trickle in and, and, I bring this up as an example, right? So if there's something in your life, it doesn't have to be about your body, but maybe this is striking a chord and maybe I'm supposed to be bringing this up for some reason for somebody right now because it it wasn't my plan to bring this up and talk about this as early as I am, but maybe it's something in your life. And so it is a good practice to go, okay, well, what are some of my earliest stories around this subject, right? Maybe it's self-worth. Maybe it's... um um, a lack mindset, like whatever it might be. Well, what are my early stories? So I'm kind of walking you through what some of what I've been doing recently, um, in order for me to not let this run my life, um, from an unconscious and subconscious place, right? I want to run as much of my life consciously as I can, because that way I'm living my best life. I'm as joyful as possible. I'm as happy as possible. And, I'm not on some sort of autopilot that I'm not understanding that I put in there when I was a kid. I'm not operating as I would say to my husband on old code, right? Because he kind of understands that language. He's like, got it. So, so yeah. And there were other stories too. Like I, so right around third grade, I must've gotten like a tiny bit. I must've put on a little, a little bit more weight than like I had ever before. Um, Cause this is also where I started to get some comments from classmates. Right. And I remember you know, I remember some kid called me chubby or something like that. And I came home and again, this is nothing against my mom, but I remember telling my mom and probably at the time what I wanted to be here was there's nothing wrong with you. You're perfect just the way you are. And I remember my mom bursting into tears and, and saying, I did this to you. I gave this to you. And that was like very shocking to my system a little bit because I was like, oh, there must really be something wrong with me and must really be some something wrong with the way I look, right? And my mom, and she had great intentions. And again, I am not here to, my mom is such a supporter of me and this podcast, and she has been on her own journey. But it is also important that I share my story accurately. You know, and I know she didn't have bad intentions, but she was like, oh, well, we'll start walking together. And I remember there was this little, like, it tells you how little I was. There was this, like, little house like a little bunny house. It was some sort of toy. It was like a tree and it was like a little bunny house. And there were like little toy bunnies that lived in the tree, whatever. I can remember it clear as day. And I remember my mom saying, well, if you walk with me every day for a month, I'll buy you this toy. And I remember eventually I got the toy and I remember I just didn't want it. Like I just didn't want the toy anymore. It just, it just like made me sad to look at it and it made me feel, um, sorry. I didn't think I was going to get emotional. Um, it just made me feel like it wasn't it wasn't something fun anymore. It wasn't something joyful for me anymore. Excuse me. Sorry about that. I'm not going to say sorry about that. <laughs> it's okay. It is okay. Um, I just didn't expect it. It surprised me. Um, so anyway, all these little stories, right, they start kind of um, building themselves into my into my head. And I, I have like so many of these, that's just a sampling, but I have like a lot of these stories, right. From a lot of people in my life. Right. So anyway, um, long story short, I, we moved and got to a new neighborhood and we rode our bikes a lot. And just like with any little kid, if there was any extra, anything I was carrying around, it just melted off when we moved, whatever. Um, and then I got to like sixth grade and I went through pu puberty. 
and then I remember, you know, middle school stuff, it kind of the same thing. I remember like I stopped, you know, I had always been good about having friends and friend groups and, and I felt good through like sixth grade and then seventh and eighth grade. It was just hard for me. Like I felt like I didn't really have friends. I felt, uh, you know, my body had gone through all these changes that I, you know, it's, it's kind of a big thing, right. Going through puberty. And, um, I just started leaning back into food. Like I know that I did. Um, and so by the time I got to eighth grade, again, I kind of got in the cycle where I was probably a little bit heavier than I had been. And like my mom's brother, who's constantly dieting, um, visited and he had just started doing the Atkins diet at the time. Probably now you'd call it keto or I don't know. It's not quite the same thing, but anyway, the Atkins diet. And so I was in eighth grade, I was leaving eighth grade, but I was in eighth grade, two years out from puberty. And I started doing the Atkins diet with my mom. So probably if I talked to my mom about this, she would probably be like, that probably wasn't a great idea. Right? <laughs> you are two years out from getting your first period. That was probably not good to go on a low carb diet at that point. And it was like extremely low. Like if you know anything about this, it was like we ate less than 20 grams of carbs a day. I probably that was not great for my very juvenile <laughs> developing body, right? Probably not great. Um, and I was pretty strict and, and extreme about it. And then it, it did create a weird dynamic for me with my own mom, right? Because I felt like I had to, I was going to let her down if I didn't eat this way. And she, again, none of this was directly expressed. I love my mom very much, but this is also just my story. Um, and she is in a different place than she was, but this, this is my truth. And part of my goal with this podcast is to be vulnerable, to be authentic and to speak my truth. And so it is something that I just have, have to do. And so, yeah, so I don't know that that was like a great idea, but I lost a ton, a ton of weight. I think within the summer between my eighth grade year and my freshman year of high school, I lost like 30 pounds and I got so much attention for this. I got so much attention from all the adults in my life, all my peers, you know, you look great. You look, and I started to get friends and I got attention from boys and I was like, okay, cool. Like this is what I got to do. And so literally from my freshman year of high school through my junior year of high school, I was on a very strict low carb diet the entire time. I never deviated from that. It's funny, like someone I went to high school with recently was like, oh, did you ever have cookies from like the school store? And I never did, not once. I never, never broke from this diet, not for a day. Like, it's funny. I said to my husband, I was like, I never had a birthday cake actually in high school because I didn't eat cake. You know, there was like this store called Low Carb Heaven. And I'm sure that was so much processed food that like sometimes we get things out of there and sugar alcohols that would just give me like terrible like diarrhea and stuff. So anyway, I don't know that that was like the healthiest thing for me. And then my junior year of high school, I kind of had my first little boyfriend. Uh, God love him. Like, I'm sure he's a great guy. But he, it was this time. And at this time, right, I was an athlete. I had like no body fat, but I was muscular, right? I had muscular legs. I was a, I was an athlete. Um, and I remember him like kind of dropping into conversation that if I could lose like 10 or 15 pounds, you know, that would be like really good. And again, I didn't have any weight to lose. I don't know. Like I had a six pack. I didn't have, like, I, I didn't have any weight to lose. I was just muscular, um, in my legs because I was an athlete. Like I played year round sports. Like I was, that was all it was. Um, and then we kind of broke up, right. And my poor little inner teenager was just devastated. And this is going into my senior year of high school. And my mom had switched over to Weight Watchers. So I switched over with her to Weight Watchers. And I this is where I started to really head into eating disorder territory. Um, so I was – what I'll say about the low-carb was with low-carb, right, I could eat food. So I could eat like a lot of – food as long as it was low carb. So I could eat a ton of chicken or I could eat like a ton of whatever it was, right? I could eat a lot of cheese. I could eat a lot of like just vegetables, but I could eat a lot of vegetables. And so when I switched over to Weight Watchers, it was much more like portion control. And I remember, and then this stuff with this boyfriend and 
And that was a time where things really started to come to a head with my father as well. Like that, this, this time period was like very intense with him. Um, and so I just leaned into controlling my food as much as possible. And I remember like, I remember going out to eat with my friends and I didn't eat. Like I just sat there and I didn't eat. I remember bringing a lunch to school that was all portioned out, like Weight Watchers. And I remember like literally looking at the clock and having it be 930 and I had eaten everything I could for the day. Like I, I was so hungry. I just like eaten everything I possibly could for the day. And just, I was like, I guess I just won't eat. Right. And I played sports after school. Like none of this was healthy, but also none of this was like discouraged necessarily or even known. Um, and so then I got into this like real thing with like hunger. Like I had to, I felt like I had to feel hungry. Right. And I started to, and then I started my senior prom was coming up and I got this real idea in my head about a certain weight I wanted to hit for senior prom. And I remember like, I remember like, um, I had teammates be like, I just saw you walking into the gym at 10 o'clock at night, right? This is a school night as they were leaving, right? Cause we had practice and, and they were in the gym too, right? But I got there at like 9.30 or 10 at night uh, cause I like had to get an, another workout in or whatever. Um, and I remember going to like GNC and getting like some sort of pre-workout supplement. That, I don't know. It made my pee a really weird color. I'm sure that wasn't good for me. I'm glad that I did not stay on that path terribly long. Right. But, um, that was I started to um really, really, really get restrictive on the amount of food I ate. But here's the thing, right? And there's just this is just science. We'll tell you this. When you start to do that, your your body starts to go into this starvation state. So when you do eat, it just like woofs it down because it's like, I don't know when she's gonna feed me again, right? I don't know <laughs> when I'm gonna eat again. So I'm just gonna hold on to every morsel she feeds me. And when she starts eating, I'm just gonna go eat, 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 binge, 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 because um I don't know when she's gonna feed me again and she doesn't listen to my hunger cues, right? So much of this episode for me is about um this goal I have of listening to my body, right? So I I bring this like long story up and I'm not quite done. I have another chapter, but um, to kind of say, this is how bad I have been throughout the majority of my life at listening to my body. So yeah, so super restrictive um, for a while. And then I would have these moments where I would just like binge eat, right? And it wasn't even bad, but I would just binge eat. And that's when I started to make myself um, like vomit, like throw up, throw it up, right? So purge, right? Binge and purge. So I was still on this really restrictive diet, but then every once in a while, I would just be so hungry. I would just like eat and then I would just make myself throw up. And I was really good at this. Like nobody knew. In fact, of all people, I think the only person that ever caught me my senior year of high school was actually my father. And honestly, I just don't think he gave a shit or he's probably, he was honestly probably like good for you, right? Because he was very into women being very, very thin. So, um, so that is where the purging started and the purging, the binging and purging that kind of stayed with me through my senior year of high school, uh, my senior year of high school into my freshman year of college and my sophomore year of college. That was kind of, and I was, I was really good at it, right? There was in my group of friends in college, like we have had a couple of friends where it was kind of known that they binge and purge. No one ever knew. I was really, really good at it. I was smart. I knew where there were single stall bathrooms on campus. Um, I would plan it out as very calculated. Um, and that just breaks my heart, like thinking of those versions of myself. And I know I'm going to be doing some inner child and her teenager work here, like talking to those versions of me that just felt like, oh, if I could just look this way, or if I could just fit into this size of jeans, or if I could just be this weight, then I will be good enough to be loved. I will be good enough to be accepted. I will be good enough. I will just be good enough if I could just do this, right? And so what I probably should have been doing is like working on myself, but like this this is what we do sometimes, right? We make it about our weight, we make it about our house, we make it about our yard, we make it about XYZ. And this was just this is just my story, right? And then eventually I think it just became too painful for me to like purge. Like I started to be like I just can't do this. Like I think I got old enough where I was like I just 
I don't know. I, I can't do this anymore. It's hurting my body to make myself throw up. Like I, it was becoming harder to do. Like I just, um, you know, and so it would be these, this habit that followed me through most of my twenties where I would be really restricted with calories, working out, you know, Monday through Friday. And then I would just kind of drink and party on the weekends. Right. And I would just binge eat, right? So people would order pizza and I would just eat and eat and eat or whatever it would be. And so my body got started to in my, you know, towards my senior year of college started to, I could tell just really hold on to weight, right? Because I would starve, 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 binge, binge, binge. And so I think my body was just like, you just got to hold on to it because you don't know what she's going to do, you know? And I just had all this all these terrible feelings about myself, right? So this past fall, I did a Reiki session and I was like, I just want to connect to my body more. And I don't know necessarily even what I expected. And and just hear me out on this. It might start to sound like it's getting a little woo-woo here, but like just 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 have an open mind. Just hear this out. So so Carolyn one of the women I see for Reiki was like, absolutely, let's, you know, let's do a session to connect with your body. And and so it's kind of meditative. So I just kind of like shut my eyes and listen to the spa music. And then at the end, she sort of debriefs me. And so she was like, so I talked to your body. And she was like, you know, she doesn't listen to me. She doesn't listen to me at all. And so this was such an interesting concept for me. And just, again, just hear me out on it. Like, just hear me out. Like, think about if you talk to your body, how would your body describe you, right? So this is a very interesting concept here that she was kind of talking to my body outside of my consciousness, right? My body as it was. And she was like, yeah, there's just, you know, she's like, she just doesn't listen to me. She doesn't listen to me when I'm tired. She doesn't listen to me when I'm hungry. She doesn't listen to me when I'm full. She doesn't listen to me when I need to rest. She doesn't listen to me, you know. Um, and she just uses words like disgust and um, harsh words, like really hard words towards me, right? So this is my body talking to her. And whether this is too much for you, I, I totally get it. But like it did help me put into context. And so I think it's a helpful exercise. Like what would your body say to you? Like if, like what would your body say about you if you were, um, if you were sorry, I think I think I thought I just lost um, my connection, but I think I'm okay. Um, so, what would your body say about you if someone could talk to it? Right? It's kind of an interesting thing, and so it like kind of broke my heart. Like I'm thinking of my little body here that's ca- carried my two beautiful kids to term. Right? My beautiful, healthy kids. Like every time I've been hurt, it's healed, right? It's healed from C-sections. It's healed from paper cuts. It's healed from broken bones. It has done nothing but take care of me my entire life. And all I've done is not listen to it and talk meanly about it, right? So, you know, uh, that really struck me. And so I, I, I think I even started doing this work um, this fall to go, okay, like, let's, let's see what this is about. Because at this point I had done enough work on how my mind works and how my spirit works. And I was like, okay. And I just know that this is just such a part of my 2024. And, and for whatever reason, I feel called to talk about it. That's what, that's what we're doing today. Right. And, um, so it was just such this interesting concept for me to start thinking about about my body, right? And so I have one more little like bi- biographical piece to talk about. Um, and maybe I just need a record of this somewhere for myself. But um, so again, this kind of pattern of like eating really well and then drinking and eating a lot on the weekends went through really up until I got pregnant with my son. And so I think I got, I was 32 when I got pregnant with him. Yeah. Is that right? 32. Yeah. Just to turn 32. And I just was the healthiest I had ever been in my life, ever been in my life. I listened to my body. Like I would, I like all the things I now want to do. And so I say this because I know I have a model for it. Um, And I was doing it, but I was doing it for someone else. Right. So it made it easier for me, but it would be like, um, you know, I started, that's where I really started making sure I ate organic food and I would listen to myself and be like, all right, what do I want for lunch? And sometimes it'd be like hummus and celery sticks and um, 
cucumbers, but like that's what I wanted and it felt good to my body, right? Or maybe I just did want a really nice piece of chocolate, but I get like a really good piece of chocolate and I stopped having this guilt, right? Because I was pregnant. And and so this is not healthy for everyone, but I just give you this context. Like I, because of my BMI, this was okay. I don't want anyone worrying about my son. He's perfectly fine. Um, and I was fully monitored by, by my doctors, but I, my entire pregnancy only gained 11 pounds. And I had over a nine pound baby. Like, but I was just, um, I was kind of losing this body weight that I carried around, but fueling my baby and me. And I just, all I wanted to do was go for walks outside. And I walked like five miles a day up until I was like six or seven months pregnant. And then I had to cut back at that point because I started getting rocks and hicks when I was walking. But I still think I walked. I just was like, I, you know, I think I cut way back to like maybe even just a mile or two a day. But even that was like great for me. Right. And I just, it is the best I've ever felt in my life when I was pregnant with my firstborn. And so that is the model that I am aiming towards for this year of 2024 is how do I listen to my body? How do I be really intuitive about what is good for me? Like how do I listen about what I want? And sometimes, and again, you know, I do these human design readings and there's this whole component in human design about digestion. And it's digestion, not only of how we digest food, but it's also how we digest information. So I've talked to so many women as I've done their human designs, because I've done mostly women, and um, we talk about, we get to the part where we talk about their digestion, and then I can hear them reflecting like, oh yeah, you know, um, there's a certain digestion type that's warm um, foods. And they're like, I always knew like raw vegetables like never felt good to my body, but cooked ones did. But I had this story that that wasn't good. And so I've just heard over and over again, and I guess this is also an impetus for this motivation I have is these women basically saying, yeah, my intuition knew that what you're telling me, my chart says is my correct diet, like knew it. And I overrode it with my mind because of my conditioning, because of the culture, because of whatever. Um, and so I'm like, why aren't I giving myself a permission slip to listen to my body? Cause I know I can do it. And when I did it, I never felt better or looked better in my freaking life. Right. And also to follow up, I still felt pretty good when I was pregnant with my daughter, but I had really started to like not take as good care of myself because I was pregnant and I had a, like a one-year-old. We got pregnant. Fun fact, we got pregnant with my daughter on the night of my son's first birthday. Like literally it was the night of his birthday we got pregnant with her. So I had just like you know, had my son and then breastfed and then literally got pregnant again. So even with my daughter, I think I only gained like 25 or 30 pounds, but I, again, it's not about weight. I just, I told those story about my son. So I feel like my daughter's pregnancy. Um, so, but I just wasn't as dialed in. I wasn't as dialed in like where it was just like such a thing for me when I was pregnant with my son and to be pregnant. And I just felt like kind of this sacred vessel. And I'm like, well, why can't I feel that like that now? I still am a sacred vessel, right? I still, you know, my body is such a tool for my intuition. You know, there's tons of stuff and you can look it up and it's really scientific about doing a pendulum with your body. Uh, it sounds woo-woo and a lot of people in the spiritual world do it, but there's actually a ton of science um, and you can look it up. Uh, where basically, you know, you can use your body as a pendulum and our bodies will tell us if something is good for us or not good for us, right? So you kind of, you can, you, you know, you get grounded, put your feet flat, put your hands on your chest and you say something that's like definitively true. Like I am Katie Rose and your body will naturally lean a little bit forward, right? So you kind of do things like you could be like, I like uh, scorpions, right? And my body kind of naturally leans back because that's not true. Um, and then you can pick up, like for breakfast, you could pick up eggs, like a carton of eggs and see if your body leans back or leans forward, right? Or yogurt, like whatever it is. And you can kind of do this trial. And I'm like, I have these tools, like why aren't I doing it? And I'm not doing it because I have such old stories about monitoring my food and that being such a source of despair for me, right? And so this is okay, right? This is okay because I'm going to be conscious about it and I'm going to work through it and I'm going to heal myself and I'm going to step into, even if, even on the last day of this upcoming year, if I am the exact same size and weigh the same amount, but I listen to my body and I am intuitive about it, 
I will be so proud of myself. Um, but that, that is, that is the goal for me. Right. And so I, why can't I, when I took, when I just listened to myself and I didn't have judgment with myself and I just enjoyed an ice cream cone when I was pregnant and I just enjoyed eating really healthy whole foods. Like I just, that's what I was drawn to. Like, why can't I do that now? Right. So I feel like I got this secret sauce that I can do it. And I'm naturally a really intuitive person, right? I've been told this as I go and do my Reiki sessions or get readings with psychics and mediums. Like you you are a really, really intuitive person. My entire human design chart, right? I've never talked this much about mine, but my entire human design chart is based around being intuitive and guiding other people. Like that is from a human design perspective, my purpose in life is dialing the F into my intuition and guiding others. That is what I am supposed to do. So the best tool I actually have for that is my body, right? And I haven't really talked about this, but as I do human design readings, and again, that's why I'm super intentional. Like I set the intention with the universe, like let this be in my greatest good as I do this reading and the greatest good for whomever I'm doing the reading for. And so sometimes as I'm talking, I'm surprised at what's coming out of my mouth, but I know it to be true, right? I know for a fact that what I'm saying is true. and. And so it's this part of me that um, is very intuitive. And it's also this part of me that as a client is maybe saying something during a human design reading, I get full body chills. And I'm like, yes, you are onto something there, right? Sometimes I also get, and I've been told that this is, you know, this is like clear audience coming online, but I get certain ringing or tones in my ears as someone is telling me something. And that tells me that they are onto something, right? Or I have to really pay attention to what they're saying because there's something important there, right? And I'm not going to have shame or shame or embarrassment. Like I'm proud of that. I'm proud as I tune into my body that I can help people because my body is giving me in, intuitive clues as I'm either doing a coach, coaching session or a human design reading, whatever it might be, I'm I'm dialing in on that. And so the best tool that I possibly have is to get really clear and clean with my body, right? But this scares me. Um, this is intimidating to me. I got a gym membership. I opened a gym membership about a week ago and I just said to my husband, I just, it's important to me because I, I know that this is true to move my body every day. My favorite way to do that is to walk outside, um, to even do like squats outside, to do some yoga outside. Like that is my favorite way, but I live in New Hampshire. <laughs> that is not always possible. Sometimes it is just miserable outside and that's okay. I love that I have the seasons. I'll take the trade off, but so I'm like, I'm going to go, there's a discount at Planet Fitness. I can do $10 a month. I'm just going to go do that. And then I have that as an option so that I can have an ability to move my body every day because that feels good to me. And I know that I need to, and there's a lot of, a lot of stuff coming up now with somatic work and like moving your body and having energy releases, right? I'm going to do an episode on somatic work, but it's like, as you move your body, it releases stuck energy in there. And that doesn't seem like that's so radical. Like, have you ever sat at your computer and like done a lot of work and you get up and you just need to stretch or like wiggle or whatever it is. And you're like, Oh my God, that feels so good. Or after a long plane ride. So, um, there's all this science and this new school around somatic work. And that's going to be its own episode as well, because it deserves its own episode. But anyway, I just knew that I wanted to move my body and I'm like, I'm going to do some aligned action. Even before I get into new year, I'm going to get this gym membership get going. So, um, it was like a Saturday. It must've been like the Saturday before Christmas, maybe something like that. And my husband's like, yep, I got the kids. Love you. Have fun. I got home and he he opened the door and he's like, oh my God, are you okay? He's like, I thought you were going to come home just feeling awesome, like endorphins. And I was just sobbing. Like I was crying so hard because I had gone to the gym and it just brought, and I hadn't been to the gym. I haven't had a gym membership since like for like coming up on five years, right? So I was pregnant with my son in the spring of 2019. He was born in October. And so probably around April or May is the last time I like had a gym membership, right? And so then from there on out, I was very active. Like I did 
a lot of walking and I would even do some like easy yoga, but I just didn't have a gym membership. And then, you know, he was born and then literally COVID hit and that was a couple of years. And so, you know, I still walked, I still moved. I did, did yoga online, maybe not as much as my body would have liked, but I, I still did movement, but I hadn't had like a gym membership. And so I went in there and I just was struck by this, this feeling of almost despair, like from my body that was like, oh, you're going to punish us. Like you're, this is punishment. When I realized that that was always how I had treated working out was like as a punishment. This is a punishment because you ate too much. This is a punishment because you don't look right. This is a punishment because, you know, you're not the size I want you to be. And I felt so sad, right, for my body that that was like I had had this visceral response as I walked into the gym you know, and it's like, it was like, you know, we're going to have to be here for, for two or three hours. Cause I used to do that in high school and college. Like I used to stay, I used to do like an hour on the elliptical on one elliptical and like a half hour on the other one. And that was even before I started lifting weights. Like it was like, what was I doing? Three hours of my effing day in the gym, like, or two and a half, like that is crazy. Like, you know, um, just in this stuffy gym, like, you know, I like go for a hike, go for a walk, like be outside and move. But like, it was just, and I I remember just wanting to leave so bad and again, not listening to my body to leave the gym. And it was like, no, I just have to finish five more minutes, right? 10 more minutes and I can leave. And again, that's just not listening to my body. So I was in there and it actually felt very good. I did a lot of movements that feel good to me, like squats and lunges and like those feel good to my body, right? Opening up my sacral chakra and my root chakra, like that movement feels really good, right? I was able to do a lot of that. And I was like, oh, there are no rules. I get to make up the rules here for what working out looks for me, right? It doesn't have to be what anyone else prescribes. It can be my decision-making on what my looking working out looks like and feels like to me. So it was both empowering and like really saddening to think about how I just had treated myself for so long, right? And so my goals for this year, I want them to be easy. I want them to be achievable. I don't want them to be punishment-based or shame-based or cruel to myself, but I want to move my body. Number one, I want to move my body in ways that feel good, feel aligned, don't feel stressful or anything negative. Like it makes my body go, oh, thank you. That feels so good to move. Even as I'm talking about it, my neck is stretching, my shoulders are stretching, right? And I want to eat intuitively. So you know, there's so much, and again, I mentioned those two books and I'll put them in the show notes, but there's so much around how do we, how do we, um, eat in a way like our body knows what's good for us. So how do I listen to that? Right. Because I kind of swung the other way. I was like, if you can think of my body as like a, like a yard, like I was so intense that I cut every blade of grass with a pair of scissors. And I just kind of rejected that so much because I just was like, I can't, I did figure out, I'm like, I can't live like that. But then I kind of went the other way and I was just like, kind of F it, like F it. I don't even, I, I don't even care. And then I kind of let, you know, my grass overgrow, right? And there's some tires in my yard and I didn't take, I also didn't take care of it. So either end is not taking care of my body, like totally ignoring what feels good to it and what feels healthy is also not good, just as not good as micromanaging every little tiny thing it does. Like God love my sweet body and how it has taken such good care of me and how I have just not taken care of it in the way that I should. And so that is my goal for this year so that I can be as intuitive as possible and I can be as healthy as possible and I can be, you know what, F it all, I can be as joyful as possible, right? Go listen to my episode before this one. Like, like I, I banged up my knee, you know, and that's a reoccurring injury for me is this knee. And I just couldn't move around for like two weeks with my kids. And I'm like, geez, like, I don't like, I don't like this. I don't like that. I can't run around with my kids. I can't move around with my kids. Like I just, I just want to appreciate this beautiful body I have. Right. Cause whether you believe in reincarnation or not, this is my body's only shot here. Right. So even if my soul comes back, it's coming back in a different body. This is my body's one chance to like feel the earth, to pick up my kids, to hug my husband, to be creative. Um, and I'd like to experience it as much as I can with all my senses in this body as possible. So 
I did this episode with absolutely zero notes. I wrote, I usually write out like nothing intense, but a couple of notes. I literally wrote on my page body and I was like, I'm just going to go. And so thank you for this platform, for letting me share my story. Thank you for listening as I set out my goals. Um, I think it's also helpful that I can then keep you updated as I go through them. And I'm not going to do this perfectly. The great news is I've already done so much work on my mind and my soul. I know what this is going to look like, right? And so I'm going to have wins and then I'm going to have lessons and then I'm going to be shown all the places where I'm out of alignment, but I already know that, right? And so it's such an easier journey after you kind of do the first overhaul to go, okay, I know what this, I know what this looks like and I know I can do this. Um, so I just wanted to say thank you for joining me wherever you are in your journey. Um, whatever next piece of you that you're getting into alignment, I, I wish you the best as I wish myself the best. And just a reminder, and I talked about this in the first episode, but I am not broken. You are not broken. None of us are broken. We have pure, beautiful, radiant souls. And all we have to do as far as healing goes is to just get some of that residue out of the way so that we can let the purest, most vibrant essence of ourselves shine through. And so this is a big goal of mine for this upcoming year. I wish you ease and joy and whatever your intentions may be. Thank you for joining me and happy, happy new year. Um, one last note, I'm recording this the, the day before it's going to come out. So I'm recording this on on December 31st, 2023. So it's the date is actually 123123 which won't happen again for like a thousand years till, um, 3,023. So kind of cool. And, um, that in numerology is all about forward momentum and you're on the right track. And so, um, let this be a sign for you that whatever you're working on, you are on the right track and a sign for me that the things I'm working on, I'm on the right track. Um, thank you again. Thank you for joining me. And until next time, I'm sending you all the love. First of all, thank you, thank you, thank you for listening to the Katie Rose Podcast. This project is a self-funded labor of love from my heart to yours. If this show resonated with you in any way and you would be so kind as to leave a five-star review on whatever platform you're using, it would mean the absolute world to me. Also, if you want to connect further, please send me a DM on Instagram at Katie Rose Coaching and say hello. Thank you again and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on new episodes released weekly. Until next time, sending you all the love.